This is the story of a little guy in a big world, a small board game publisher trying to make an impact on a fast-paced industry with thousands of new games each year. Without being able to compete with low prices or large print runs, Buttonshy is simply just doing things its own way. Welcome to DIY Board Games. Today we're interviewing Josh Mills. He's the designer of our March uh, Board Game of the Month Club postcard game uh, based off the cult film Edward Scissorhands. It's called Scissor Cards, and it's super clever. You use the cards to make your scissor hands, uh, to flip over other cards, get them onto your side, and uh, make sure the judge sees you so you can win the game. It's, it's a lot of fun, and we talk about that, we talk about the film, we talk about you know, some, some crazy film projects Josh has done, his games that are coming up, uh, and a little bit more. So here you go. Check it out. So I'm here with Joshua J. Mills, uh, designer of Scissor Cards, which is our March uh, Board Game of the Month Club cult film postcard game. Hey, Josh. How are you? I'm doing well. I hope everybody out there is having a, having a good time right now. <laughs> if If you don't know Josh, you should know him as my mortal enemy from the uh, Building the Game. Is, was there a name well, for that? Oh, we're going to go right to it. Okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> I'm, I am the, uh, I had to throw the match. Listen, um, <laughs> Bruno Cathal, here's the deal. He paid me to throw that match. That's. I'm going to talk to him because I just friended him on Facebook today. So. Yeah, well, ask- then I beat you by a day because <laughs> it popped up and I was like, yeah, I guess enough time has passed. The controversy has died down, but now I can I can come forward and, and let everybody know that I took a lump sum to throw that. I mean, I'm gonna have to post a video of that like on here somewhere because I know there was video and I've seen it, but like it didn't it didn't work its way around too much. I don't think. No, it it still exists on YouTube, so we should definitely uh, link it. Um, yeah, and we can see the moral the moral demise of of one Joshua James <laughs> <laughs> or the uh, embarrassment of Jason Tagmeier. So. I don't know. Um, you had a legacy moment in there where you wrote on your arm, and at that point, I was like, "Well, this is over for me." Um, I hope everybody I, has fun. It was the best I've ever done and will ever do. So I peaked at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is—is is this your first published design? I've been—I've been. I've been uh, this this will written. actually be coming out in March. Will be my first published design. Um, and it'll I, be here tomorrow too. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> cool. So, what's you have anything lined up after this? Or oh yeah, uh, coming sometime in like May or June. Uh, Rocky Road Alamode, which is a uh, a game about <laughs> ice cream trucks, is coming out from Green Couch Games. Very uh, cool. So that one's that was fun. It's like multi-use cards. There's a time track type thing, and you're calling out customers with your music, and then you know feeding them ice cream and push up pops and. Every that's everything you can think of that's fun summertime. Uh, Very cool. Um, so the game of the month is Edward Scissorhands, and uh, I guess you came on a little late. Towards I think that might have been one of the only few that were left, or was it the only one? I, I'm, I'm trying to recall. There was a, there was a couple other options on there, um, and it was actually we were doing the contest. And you had them up on your phone, and you handed it to me. And I was just looking at them. I was like, I can do one of these. And you're like, oh, no, you don't have anything published. What are you doing? Um, 
And then I think Beetlejuice might have been on there. I can't recall exactly, but there was definitely some Tim Burton stuff on there. And then yeah, Edward Scissor's hands always had like a sweet spot in my uh in my heart. So this was the one that one designer wanted and then he traded it and took Beetlejuice instead. Um so and I won't say who because it's a secret and Beetlejuice will probably come out way end of the year. But um so tell me about your experiences with with Edward Scissorhands because for me it was one of those movies that I've seen the first fifteen minutes probably a hundred times and I don't think I've seen the whole thing in twenty years or however long it's been fifteen no it's been longer than that nineteen ninety right yeah it's is it's real old what I about, probably have whole things since then yeah I the, I distinctly remembering seeing one of those cardboard cutouts at the movie theater. Of Johnny Depp with like his scissor hands and like a green lawn and a lawnmower type thing. <laughs> and I remember seeing that and you know he's all in black and I was pretty young. At, I mean I was real young at the time. But I was like what? What is this? It's like dark and creepy. It's definitely not like childish. You know because yeah. I was probably 10 maybe. I don't know. And I was intrigued by it but I didn't get to go see the movie when it came out. But I constantly wanted to see it. And then finally... When we got old enough to go to Blockbuster, everybody calm down. We used to have to go to a place to get a movie. That's a deep cut right there. It's a real deep cut. Um, it was it was one of the one of the new releases, and there just happened to you know be one sitting there. And I talked. My friend at the time was like, "What, dude? This looks dumb. Like there's like this like it's like in the fifties. It's like when was this movie made? Because you know like, the, like there's all it's I, if you could tell me when this movie was made." I will give you five dollars because, okay. <laughs> um, but I talked him into it, and then we watched it, and it was this kind of fairy tale slash really odd thing. And ever yeah. since then, I've watched, I've probably watched it all the way through, you know, a handful of times when it comes on TV. It's one of those if it's on TV, I'm just like, oh, I remember this. <laughs> oh crap! It's one in the morning. I just rewatched the trailer and, and these are, so I remember the, the intro to the movie. I remember like definitely like the first like 20, 30 minutes pretty well, but the trailer, it feels very like Pee Wee Herman based, like not based, but like, uh, it has that same feel to it. At least the trailer cut, the, the music, um, everything has that Pee Wee feel, feel, even just like the, the oddness of it all. Does the film, I think the film's a little, it's, it's a little darker and a little, it's a little sadder, but does it have that? to you in any way i mean yeah it definitely does and i i used to watch peewee's playhouse when i woke up every morning like i, I lived in new jersey till i was <laughs> eight but i remember waking up watching peewee's playhouse and a big tinfoil ball so it definitely has that quirkiness to it it's just a lot more subtle i guess in how it's executing stuff because it's it's in your face but the emotional part of it is more just the actors playing it out yeah so it has it has more depth in that regard and then it's really just a classic, a classic tale of you know, boy likes girl, boy has scissor hands, you know, just like the normal, <laughs> the, the normal setup. Um, but all those elements are there, and one of the things that really always intrigued me about it is just the the aesthetic of everything, because you had this kind of '60s influence, you had this like '50s. You know, with the fashion, you had this 50s yeah. houses in a row and everything was perfectly aligned and all the husbands went to work at the same time. 
Um, I think that's the most iconic part of the whole film for me is just that that town and the look of it. Yeah, because it it's like something that you always assumed existed but had never actually saw. I guess. Yeah. And um, it's like stark contrast to him, uh, to Edward Scissorhands himself. He's just all black and white. And, and then they had yeah, and then you always have like kind of the castle on the hill, like this dark, creepy castle. Which in every single cartoon... I mean, that was in every cartoon in the 80s, right? Like, dark, yeah. creepy castle on a hill. And to me, that was always the cool place of, like, it wasn't scary. Like, are you kidding me? There's an entire playhouse up there where, like, no adults are going to do anything. You just go mess around and, like, jump out of windows and, like, do whatever you want. Um, so that always intrigues me. I always wanted to live in, like, some old, decrepit house when I was little, like, by myself and just yeah. home alone it, you know. <laughs> I'm glad you survived till now so we could have this conversation. Yes, now now that I bought an old decrepit house and live in it and no. <laughs> Um so uh what about other Tim Burton films? Are there any others that that rank up there for you? I uh, I I mean a Beetlejuice I like a lot too, and that's in that same kind of time period. Uh you know, the Batman everybody gets crazy about Batman, but I've never been a huge Batman fan anyway. So, yep. and I saw him when I was younger, so I didn't know any better. Oh. The last Batman film I saw was Batman in 1990 or whenever it was, 89. I saw all the new ones where they blow stuff. I mean, I like things getting blown up. That's fine. My favorite <laughs> film is uh, Ed Wood. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen Ed Wood. And, and what would really creep people out, or creep people out, freak people out, or creep them out, is Nightmare Before Christmas, which I've always wanted to see. But I've just never seen. Yeah, that's pretty pretty iconic. So it's, that's another one that I watched in pieces. You know, I'll see five minutes of it here and there. Um, Mars Attacks. I love Mars Attacks. Oh, I, I do like Mars Attacks. That was that was goofy fun. James and the Giant Peach. I remember seeing and being disappointed. But that was the first time I had read a book first. Oh yeah, well, and just and that was I was like, oh, I think I might have liked the book better. But I hardly <laughs> ever read anything, so it was. It was different for me. Um, so oh. I saw today, uh, and I, I got to look up the name of it. I already forgot it. It's Miss Peregrine's uh, Home for Peculiar Peculiar Children. It's a new Tim Burton film, and the trailer was released today. Um, and I think it's based on a book, I believe. Uh, but the coolest part about it is these children go to this weird little area, and there's uh, like hedge sculptures, and there's a dinosaur there. So it's totally like a, a huge nod to Edward Scissorhands. Oh, well, I just I just pulled it up here. That that uh, that image definitely is uh, definitely all it Edward Scissorhands. I think a lot of his most recent stuff has kind of had that weird, like super glossy feel to it, where it just feels I don't know. It's all samey. I don't even know. It just, uh, and, it, yeah, it feels like they created a machine that can produce that type of thing, and now they're just producing that type of thing. Yeah, they found the thing that the majority of people like about his films and just did it. And this seemed like it had a tiny bit of that, but it didn't. It 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 felt pretty good otherwise. So. Yeah, I think with I think with Edward Scissorhands, you can definitely tell there's a lot more like heart in like it's much more personal. I I feel like yeah. to to. To the Tim Burton, because I mean, he's a director, right? And also the score. The score is... Anytime, so good. Yeah, anytime you can watch a movie for 10 minutes and nobody says anything, 
and the music says it all. To me, that's you're on the path of having a good film. That was the big difference when I watched the film, the trailer for this today because the score has like vocals or the the the, the, the song in the in the trailer has like lyrics and i was like oh this is weird <laughs> that's super it. weird trailers were used to be so bad like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i i don't know what i was watching but it was a trailer from oh it was such a good oh the trailer for national lampoon's christmas vacation is the worst trailer i've ever seen in my life i told my kids one day i was like we gotta watch this watch the trailer this will give you a touch of it and I, when we were done i was like i want to kill everything it was so <laughs> it's the worst thing ever it's just, it's always just, this. there's two people, they're gonna do this. Yeah. There's no other audio but my voice. <laughs> that one was like full scenes that were just like, oh, it was just so bad. Um, yeah, but trailers are, are like an art form that I love. Uh, like, we used to do like, we had like a movie, little movie theater that we ran outside of this like art center. And uh, we did like trailer nights and and. It was it was it was a lot of fun, especially like they were all like crazy seventies ones and things like that. But yeah, we have we went we had this thing in Greensboro called um, cheap or cheap beer crap movie something like that. But anyway, like basically it's at midnight. It's like five dollars, and they just have kegs, and you can drink as much as you want until they're gone. And then they show movies like Scissor, you know, the Scissor Twister Sisters or something, you know, some like weird off movie from way back when. And then everybody yeah. has a ball watching them, obviously, because everything's awesome a couple a couple of things in. Um, but it was it's one of the more fun things they do, and they have all those weird seventy trailers and that kind so of stuff. So, any other history of you and film or anything like? Where, well, where do you film stand? Well, to put it, so I I like I make movies and stuff for fun. Um, in 2009, I actually went across the country with my now wife in an RV for eight months, and we did something called the two-week turnaround tour, and pretty much what we'd be pick 14 different cities, and then we would show up in a city, and we're going to spend two weeks there, and we would just put out a call of, like, who wants to make a short film about anything? Just show up. Um, so we'd show up on day one in the city. These people would show up to, like, whatever, you know, maybe it's a Starbucks, maybe it's a library, maybe it's somebody's, you know, house or whatever. Then we would ask them, you know, who has, who wants to be actors? Who wants to kind of write? What kind of resources do we have? Like somebody's like, oh, I have an old Mustang. I have, you know, f 40 different uniforms for nurses. Like, okay, that's weird that you have that, but great. Let's put it on the list. And then we, you know, figure out all the resources and stuff we had available to us. Uh, write the movie over the next three or four days. Then shoot the whole thing. And then premiere it at the end of those two weeks to the, you know, to that same group of people in that city at some local venue. And we would do, we would do that. It anywhere in there. That's because it was 2009. <laughs> and yeah, oh, it was way before the time. I'll put it in perspective. We did a, we got a lot of recruitment from a tweet up in Austin and everybody on Twitter in Austin was there. <laughs> yeah, that's probably like pretty early on. I can mm, imagine. Real early on. I mean, when everyone in Austin that's on Twitter? Is that a place? Like, it really was everyone. <laughs> that's awesome. But we had a fantastic time. We went across the whole U.S. over eight months. I mean, I got to shoot things I would never have thought I would get to shoot. Like, in San Francisco, we shot on a rooftop with, like, the Golden Gate in the background and, that's you know, the cool. Bank of America pyramid thingy, whatever it's called, Transamerica building. It was it was fantastic. Did, um, is that available anywhere? Is it, like, online or anything? 
So I need to put it all back. I need to put it all online. Couldn't at the time because on YouTube, you could only have 10 minutes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was the limit. So I actually need to go revisit all that stuff and just, just put it all up there for everybody. And also a little the behind the scenes documentary part of it. That's cool. Um, what did you shoot on back then? Do you remember? Uh, I, sh- I had like a Canon XL2, which was an HD, which okay. was like a bigger, larger camera. Um, and then I also had just bought like a little Canon, like VH or whatever HD camera, like little handheld thing. And we ended up shooting on that and it was a smart move. I couldn't get like the depth of fields of stuff I wanted, but it's an H- HD trumped. The resolution trumped everything else. So was that HD, uh, uh, what's it called at the time? Was it, was it on, 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 like, no, it was flat. Tape, no, tape. It, it wasn't HDV. Um, Although I had a couple of those cameras, but it, that's the other reason why I did it is because it was actually on, it had 32 gigs of internal memory and take an SD card. So like just that whole process of offloading stuff would be way easier. Easier. Yeah. That's why I ended up doing it. The Sony like VB2100 or something. It was one of those, you know, a nice big size one that's shot on digital tape. It's probably like 3000 bucks or whatever at the time. And just the uploading, you know, play through the video while it loads onto your computer was the worst experience For an ever. hour. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I ended up not doing it with the Canon XL2. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was... I went to school for video production and just worked in news for a little bit outside of college. Um, but since then, I got a crummy office job and you know how that goes. Uh so, Sure. My, my crummy office job is making video games, so it's like hard for me to complain. Yeah, yours is not. I'm sure. I should rephrase it. You can imagine how terrible that goes. I can. Uh, I can. I can bite. I could put my uh, my shoes in your feet. That's wrong. But don't. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about making video games. Well, I mean, it's a whole. It's a whole different thing than when you're. It's more like f- film production to a degree. Um. But because it's hugely collaborative, yes. uh, especially in the stuff that I'm doing, which is you know bigger AAA type things, you're talking about huge teams, and everybody has a very focused discipline in that team. So it's it's fun and it's exciting, but you're just everyone has to be involved and get their piece in and really care about it. Whereas on the board game side, I mean, you can make the thing, right? Like it's really easy to be like, this is it. Here's the rule set. I can change this. And you have, it's more of like writing a book because yeah. you have complete kind of authorship of it. And it reminds me of making those movies because. Yeah. I've done a little bit of like working with like indie game development, uh, video game. And it was, it was completely unorganized, you know, the complete opposite of what you're doing. And it was to the point where like, uh, I was designer and there was like programmers, but we would, we would like. I would ask for the programmers to do something. They'd be like, "No, we're not going to do it," and and I couldn't change it. Like they could, I couldn't program, so I couldn't get the things I wanted in the game if they wouldn't do it. So it was like the, it was a terrible experience. And they were young and like in college, and it was just this like whole stupid thing. But um, that whole group atmosphere, and if there's a bad link in the chain, just the whole thing goes down. Yeah, I mean, it's any any kind of, you know, just like, I mean, you play, you play any sport, right? Especially, you know, it's it's a lot of the same stuff where you have to depend on other people to come through and, and perform. So with, with board games, have you done any co-designing yet? 
I've been playing around with it. Um, me and uh, Nat Levan are yeah. working on some stuff, but nothing really concrete that I can show yet. But it's an interesting. It's interesting because just figuring out how to work with someone that isn't you, right? Because I know how I like to operate and what I do. And then just working with that other person, it feels like weirdly like a relationship when you first start. It's like, do I want to say this thing? Or yeah. like, should I, you start to like judge yourself for like, oh man, my notes are horrible. But <laughs> I, uh, like there's, it's cool because like I did, um, I'm working on a game, uh, for the webcomic Homestuck and it was with Jeff Quick. Uh, he used to be with AEG and, and Yellow. Um, and me and him started it off and then he kind of, got busy and I kind of finished it up. But in the beginning it was like, I know all my weaknesses and like he was the complete opposite. So my weaknesses are like card powers and coming up with a billion stupid little things. Uh, and, and like, he was like super good at that. So it was, it was really good teaming up with that. Uh, and it's, 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 it's so different. Like it's, it's so different. And I was looking on a uh, board game geek yesterday and the top three games are all three are co-designers or co-design. They're, they're exactly two designers, um, which I thought was interesting. And yeah, have, I I see the value of having those two different points of view. I just have to figure out how to how to make it work. Like somebody, one of the guys in our group, uh, Game Designers of North Carolina. We also have a podcast. Go check it out. Um, Burke Drew. I worked with him on a on a uh, a concept we were calling Cardstock, which was actually about like Woodstock. And it was just, inter- like, we could never really get that hook or that, you know, that hook, that one thing that really drove it to be where we were. And yeah. we kept going back and forth and back and forth. And that, I mean, that design's still there. We just have to somehow be motivated and see the same endpoint together before we yeah. could finish it. And that just seems, it's just hard to do when you're with somebody else. And you also don't want to give up on an idea too early with somebody else because they might... And were you doing this like in person as opposed to... Yeah, that was in person, which was a lot... Both easier and a little bit harder in terms of like you could get distracted and go down a road and then... It's easier to say no or like throw your idea out or ignore something online, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's easier <laughs> to... It's easier to like focus and dedicate the time when you're online too because there's there's less distractions and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it... I'm finding more and more when you're doing the co-design thing that you, you probably really need to bring something to the table <laughs> yeah. earlier, like from your perspective, that you can then manipulate and manipulate the other persons and find that common ground. I think you need to have your find your personal, you know, your personal interest and in your thing. Um, so I'm looking at my other questions. Oh, so were there any other ideas before you came up? So let's talk about the scissor cards for a little bit. Scissor cards is basically you describe it. I won't describe. It. I'm terrible at describing anything. Okay, scissors cards is real time and it's nuts, guys. Here's what we're doing: we're throwing cards in between your hands, so your hands become scissors with cards in them. Scissor cards. You get it? That's it. That's pretty much it. And you got to tuck your thumbs. The key here, and I want to bring up tucking the thumbs quite a bit because you can kind of cheat if you don't tuck your thumbs because you know we're the only mammal that really gets away with that kind of stuff, but not here. So you do that, and then you're just trying to make move cards around, flip them over, and create uh, a figure in front of you. And there will be a judge, and that judge will pretty much deem if your uh, your hedge, your bush, is 
is worthy of winning. And if they just decide that is not the case, then you are not winning and you need to keep working. So you're all Edward, as Edward scissor cards or I don't know, Mitch scissor cards. Don't want to, don't want to step on anybody's toes there. Um, you don't want to use the, 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 the actual name. <laughs> uh, just trying to create your, uh, your, sh- your shrub. And who knows, we could have sequels of hairdressers and uh, ice sculptures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just the exact same rules, but we just changed the noun and boom. <laughs> So when you started this, how quickly did you go to real-time dexterity? Uh, like, did you have anything else going before that? Yes, I wanted. I wanted to make some Euroy. Like, I wanted to be. This is the honest truth. I wanted to be the guy that came up with like some like clever, awesome Euro deep game, like with a deck of cards and the theme. Uh, and I thought I could do that with that fifties utopia feel because you had. You know, yeah. Four different color houses, and they're all the same, but they're slightly different. And I went down that path for quite a ways, and I really, for some reason, wanted to use the postcard as like the center board, like as just the image of the postcard, and okay. then the houses would be like around that, arranged as card faces. Yeah. Um, I even had a Tim Burton uh, deck of cards, which is the worst deck of cards ever because the numbers are only in one corner instead of both. Uh, so I, I, had, I can give you a worse deck. I made the Pixel Lincoln deck of cards, and uh, we put the numbers on both corners, but they're both upward. They're facing the same way, so there's no point <laughs> of it even being in the other corner because it's upside down. <laughs> that's okay. That's worse. Um, but you're pretty much you would be putting these cards around this the center postcard, and you know, typical Euroy movement stuff with maybe a little bit of area control, whatever. And I kept going down this path and I just realized like, this is not in the spirit of this movie. Like this movie should be fun, a little bit weird and have just more excitement. And then, um, well, those three words would definitely describe the game. I think you nailed that. Well, well, thank you. And it wasn't, I mean, I had a lot of help from, from our group too, because, uh, they, they were just, giving me ideas and we were feeding off each other and I think in the span of you know five to ten minutes we we're on the table with the cards weirdly in our hands trying stuff right so to me that was I knew that the game could be something at that point because it was fun just to it was fun just trying to set up to play the game which is good news <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um Oh, so did the limitations come in, into any... Were, what did you think of working within these limitations? Like, this is... I, I guess it gets smaller if you were, like, designed, like, a one-card game or something. But you have a postcard, essentially half a postcard, because you're only dealing with one side for rules, and then other other things you can add to it. So what do you see your feel on working within those kind of strict limitations? I, I tend to, like, really seek out things that have those types of limitations because they compel me to think a little bit differently and and they they force me to solve problems in a creative way so and i and this all really i didn't i started getting in game design on the board game side of thing with the dice hamey 54 card game challenge and that was the first time we had that limitation and then i'll make up my own limitations now when i go to do a design um a lot of times I'll just be like, oh, I like this publisher. I like this series of games. How big's the box? Okay, yeah. what if it's only punch-out cardboard? What can I do with just that concept? That's like awesome. I, So I've, 
And then I target that and go after it, and it ends up driving, you know, a lot of creative ideas because I can't just be like, well, I need, I need give me 25 different red cubes, and then, like, that, that's not a good solution. Um, so that... The, the question comes up, you know, are you a theme or mechanics first designer? And my answer is, tell me the box size. Like, that's, that's where I start is what's, what's the size of the box we're working with? Yeah, I, a lot of times that is a very sm smart thing. Like, how long does the movie need to be? Like, exactly. <laughs> like, are we doing a short or a feature? Yeah, where are we shooting? I need to know that because it's going to matter a lot. Is it daytime or nighttime? Like, give me some more... <laughs> Is there any comparison to that in the on the video game side? Have you felt that in any way where there's are there limitations like Oh, I mean uh, all you're dealing with is limitations. Yeah. Um, some of them a lot less fun than others, just the the real world limitations of people have this amount of time that can do this thing, but you also hit just software limitations and you know just unlike board games, you can just have a bug. You know exactly how you want it to work, but it just doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Cool, cool. That doesn't happen in board games, <laughs> like in a card game. Like I can't just be like, "Well, this this tile just will not be. This will not act right. It just keeps disappearing for no reason, or it's there but nobody can use it." You know. Um, what is your What is your exact position or role? What do you What do you do right now? I'm a uh, I'm a product manager, so I'm just overseeing a lot of different things uh but i started in qa and i've done everything from qa to being a studio director uh at relevant and made you know some ios games and some stuff for steam that are smaller kind of projects and now i'm doing uh that you know other stuff so yeah just i mean the titles are always they really come down to what, where i'm at now in my career is what needs to get done let's get that done yeah that's yeah. cool yeah awesome um so what else? That's I'm looking at my marker board. That's like all my questions. Uh, I, I will say most of the time with the theme, the theme thing, I tend to try to design theme first, but really I try to design the hook first, which is the theme and the mechanic together, which is... I've heard you talk about this on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing I go for. So now talking specifically about uh, uh, the postcard game, putting the cards in your hands like scissors is both like the mechanical part of the game and the theme part of the game. So once, because your 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 definition of hook was was where the mechanics and the theme meet. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, the other people on the podcast it might have been like like the selling point or the big marketing thing or so, something along those lines. And it's funny because those are like drastically different definitions, but when they're the same, that's that's like the best hook you can get. When like your marketing thing is where the theme and and. Uh, mechanics meet like that's that's like perfection yeah it's all the things right yeah <laughs> how can you not be happy and that's what this game is what this game is it's put the cards in your hand and scoop up things and make dinosaurs or whatever you want to make yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm really actually interested in seeing just and i hope people if you're listening to this please tweet it out and at me or tag me or whatever of just the whoever the judge is, what kind of thing they set up with cards, and then make sure you tell us what that thing is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I expect this one to be a like a big convention game because so far we had uh, say what again is a big convention game. 
uh, last month's It Really Ties the Room Together is a little more of like you play it with your friends and together. And then this one is that big, loud convention-style game. So uh, I'm excited to just, when we start doing some events, have these postcards out and get some photos of people playing it and all. Yeah, I really wanted to strive to just make those people playing those really like two-hour-long Euros just pissed. Like, I just <laughs> want them to be pissed that this game's being played near them. Like, what are you guys doing? Stop having so much fun. I'm thinking over here. <laughs> oh, that would be so good. <laughs> just picturing it. Like, I'm, I'm picturing, like, some of these, like, small local conventions where there are, you know, just this massive setup of some sort of homemade war game. Um, and, you know, it's set up for three days straight. And the rulers are out and, you know, all that stuff. And, and people are sitting here scooping up their cards and... It's amazing. So here's a quick question. Uh, one of the things we told designers with this was, you know, these are small, you know, we got a small audience and they're, you know, going out there. It's a little tiny thing, but maybe it's the spark for something bigger. Have you experienced any thoughts uh, of making this into something larger or do you think it's even possible? I don't like, I think it's what it should be, <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, I don't know, I don't want to mess with it, because it's, it's perfectly the right length, the right atmosphere, the right context in terms of the theme, so I don't really know how you expand on that, other than that you just make a custom deck with some fun weirdo art, and you come up with your own kind of world to build it in, um, but if anybody wants to do that, let me know. <laughs> oh, so, all right. Final, final question that I have. Did Scissor Cards, was that your name or did that just evolve? Like, I, I was calling it Scissor Cards here with Ben, but we didn't know if that was the name and I was like, I hope it's the name. Like, I literally never told you the name, <laughs> right? But I just have, like, I never even just said this is the name of the game. I just started referring to it as Scissor Cards. Okay, but cool. so did you guys. I but, think we were doing that at the same time. Yeah, we never, like... I never said scissor cards to you, and you never said it to me, but in both of our parties, that's the, what we would refer to it as. Because it's just a natural yeah. name for the thing. So you've got theme meets mechanics meets title. Everything's perfection. So uh, I think uh, Katarski has a, a hard heart. He's got to step it up for for the, for the game. Oh, yeah. Rocky, uh, Rocky Road Alamode. So. Yeah, I would have never remembered that. <laughs> yeah, he'll have to he'll have to step it up, and that'll be on Kickstarter, so then people can put their money where their mouth is, which will be interesting. <laughs> well, they're so, putting money where their mouth is for this too. <laughs> before we, they already put their money where. Yeah, their yeah, mouth they, is. they have to before. Like you don't feed them until <laughs> they put their money where their mouth is and didn't know what they were getting. <laughs> That's um, dedication so, right there. <laughs> yeah, really, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, before we go, tell everyone about your podcast. Okay, so uh, down here in North Carolina in the Triangle area, so Durham and Raleigh and Chapel Hill, uh, Matt Wolf heads up our group. It's called the Game Designers of North Carolina, and he does a podcast with different members of the group uh, every couple of weeks called the Game Designers of North Carolina podcast. Uh, crazy, right? But you can just go to GD of NC uh, on Twitter, and you can follow us there and... You can find the podcast, I think, if you go to podcasts.gdofnc.com. I'm going to make sure that is right. And it is. So there you go. It Actually, if you just go to gdofnc.com, it takes you to our guild, and that will have all kinds of other stuff in it, too. 
are there like has Matt Matt's been on every episode, right? Yeah, Matt hosts it, so he's he's pretty much on every episode, just doing the questions and wrangling cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. I I listened to a couple episodes, and I was just like. Oh, this is a different design group. I wonder what things are like. And I'm like, oh, it's it's a design. It's just like everything. Everybody around here. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's fun for it's fun to have to articulate your point of view. Yeah, be- I saw. I could feel that just listening to it. Yeah, it makes you be like, oh, what do I really believe or think? <laughs> or if you don't know that, like, what can I say that make me sound kind of not dumb? <laughs> you guys have a decent. Like, we got a good. We got a good group of people around here in like Jersey, PA, like uh, New York. I guess that's kind of like our triangle. Everybody's within like two hours and we get some decent events going. But you guys have a really good group down there. So I get envious because you guys are a little more organized than we are. We'll just like see each other but and like sometimes schedule like events or hit hit up it on pubs. But you guys have like a guild, like a term for it and all. Yeah, and I mean, really, that is all Matt Wolf all day because he he drives that organization. If it was me, it would not be that way at all. Um, <laughs> but we have, you know, we have bi biweekly meetings on Thursdays, so we know we're always getting together to always to test stuff. Like running up to Unpub, I think there'll be thirteen of us at Unpub. Nice. So North Carolina is going to take over Baltimore. Watch out. Um, we're doing a meeting every every week. Which seems crazy, but then, man, you really can take a design from just saying, kind of like, I have this dice thingy to, oh, wow, this is a game. Well, that's what, like, here, like, that's why, like, Nat or Jay Tree or, you know, I'll hit up those guys. But it's definitely just, like, when I can find them, grab them, get their wisdom, and <laughs> run away with it. Mm-hmm. How many total for you guys, for your meetings, did you say? Did you... Uh, I mean, it, it really varies because it just, I mean, depends. It, it could be five of us, and then other times it's, you know, 13, 15 of us. Like, it can just go crazy. Uh, the Gamer's Armory, which is actually where they do the Gamers for Cure. If you've heard okay. of that, uh, it's it's in November. It's in the fall, and it's a really good uh, event for raising money. Check that out as well. Awesome. Just so plugging plug away here. Do you have anything else exciting going on or anything? All right, I'll give you... This is just a scoop of what I'm bringing to Unpub because I'm really excited about it. Because I've been on this kind of Euro thing just because that's what got me into the... And I call it Euro and I hate that term. I'm calling New World Games because they have theme involved. They're not just bland, right? Like, it's a whole new world. Welcome to America. But I had this dice mechanic. Felt real good about it. Trying to make a whole game about San Francisco streetcars wasn't happening uh just too much thinking for what the dice did uh so i was like man you know what my 14 self really loved just like collectible card games i really love those and i love this you know mech mech games and magic and i used to do all that so i was like man mechs mechs haven't been in in the fad in a long time so i was like maybe this should be a mech game next thing i know i have a name called Mechfire, which sounds like wizards of the coast put it out in 94 which makes me so happy um but it's just for it being that close yeah <laughs> but pretty much it's just a game where you're blowing each other up it's not even each other it's more like cult express like you're or and or camel up like you're just betting on which mechs are going to survive at the end but you get right. to control them and blow each other up i'm excited about it it'll be at unpub if anybody come and tell me why it's garbage if you know anything about 
Ameritrashy stuff because I don't know that much. I and I briefly saw your um, uh, jazz band game. I don't even know what it's called. What oh yeah, uh, Street Bands New Orleans. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. in the Cardboard Edison Award. One of the finalists. So I was there the other night. Saw it, but it wasn't on my list to play. Oh, okay. I don't know if it was the conflict of interest. You know, because we're working together. <laughs> uh, but I really was only there for like four hours, and it's a four-hour round trip for me to get there so it was just this really brief uh experience but um i just i'm really humbled just to be a finalist after seeing how much effort and work and dedication they're putting into actually judging like i feel like whoever wins deserves to win period i can tell you it was intense being on the judging side it was like here's a couple of videos here's 20 more and i was like whoa like i didn't even expect it to be like be that crazy yeah they had 110 entries yeah like that's all with videos so so the structure, the structure of that like you were saying that matt wolf's super structured their structure was like you went into their house they had the 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 the, the, the list on the wall these are the games you're playing here's your notebook here's the rules and here's some snacks go play and it was like it was super organized. It was really cool. Oh, I'm so glad they gave you snacks. Nothing's worse than if you get somebody that's hungry playing your game. Because they're like, yeah, I don't care about this game. I want food. I need food. I, I snacked up. So. That's good to cool. know. Cool. So I guess that's it. Um, this game's... By the time you uh, hear this, you already have the game. Because we don't want to spoil anything. Um, but thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks, Joshua, for being here. Thank you. If you want to follow me or ask me any questions, it's at Joshua J. Mills on Twitter. And thanks for having me. Awesome.